All right, Nico, can you say welcome to another episode of Healthy Births, Happy Babies? It's a happy episode. Um, happy babies. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Healthy Births, Happy Babies. I'm Dr. Jay Warren. I'm the prenatal and pediatric chiropractor here at the Capuana Center. And this podcast is all about helping you have a proactively healthy pregnancy so you can have a safe, gentle, natural birth. And that's going to allow you to bring your baby into the world that much more gently and healthily so you can start off your family experience more powerfully than if it's full of stress and trauma and other health concerns. So... If you are a fan of this show and you haven't yet subscribed, please do so. Wherever you listen to your podcast, go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss an upcoming episode. And also, if you haven't rated reviewed the podcast and you've enjoyed it and gotten value of it, that will really help me out because that will allow this podcast to reach more and more parents like yourself that might be missing out on this type of information and helping them along their parenting journey. So thank you in advance for that, and thank you if you already have rated and reviewed. On today's episode, I have Sarah Bester back on the podcast. If you remember from the, her previous episode, uh, she is a picky eating coach, and she helps clients, parents, raise healthy eaters versus picky eaters. So she, we, in that last episode, talked about things that you can do when introducing foods to help them um, be really good, solid eaters. And this time, we're going to pick that conversation up and talk about, like, what if your kid is showing signs of being a picky eater, what can you do about it? And she has great advice on how we as parents can help them through those stages because it is a stage that they go through. We just don't want to get them locked in it, right? Because that can uh, be even more challenging on the other side of it. She's got great advice. Um, it's always great talking with her. I'm glad to have her back. She's had another baby uh, recently, so um, now she's ready to come back and talk with us about it. So let me pause to take a message real quick, and then I'll come back in uh, to our conversation. Hi, it's Dr. J, and I am so excited to announce to you that my new online program is now available. It's called Connecting with Baby During Pregnancy, and what it's going to do is going to teach you methods proven by the latest research in pre- and perinatal psychology and epigenetics that are going to allow you to have not only a calmer and more relaxed pregnancy and to have a gentler, more natural birth, but... On the other side of things, you're going to feel more confident as a mom and you're going to be able to soothe your baby that much easier because when you're able to bond with baby and connect right now during your pregnancy, it's only going to translate on the other side to just being that much more connected and be able to have them calm and soothe. It's a really important thing. So head on over to drj.warren.com slash CWB, that's connecting with baby, and you can learn all about it. Sarah Bester is a family nutritionist and a picky eating coach who helps busy moms raise healthy eaters instead of picky eaters. As a certified holistic nutritionist with an expertise in feeding and healthy habits, Sarah knows the importance of feeding our kids the right foods. As a mom in the trenches herself with three young kids, she also knows firsthand how challenging it can be to actually get a meal on the table and the frustration that follows when kids refuse to eat it. Her research-based individual coaching and online group programs provide easy-to-follow steps that will put an end to picky eating and mealtime drama. More importantly, she empowers parents by giving them the tools to help 
their children develop long-term healthy habits. So with that, let me turn over to my conversation with Sarah. All right, Sarah, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Dr. J. It's so great to be back. It's good to talk with you again, and congratulations on your new baby. How's everything? Thank you. It's good. It's definitely, life is full. <laughs> I don't like to say busy. I like to say full because it's all good. But uh, yeah, definitely, she's a great addition to the family. So I'm trying to figure out how to balance it all. Right. Well, that's, you're a parent, right? That's what we're all trying to figure out. That's what we're doing on the podcast, right? Yeah, just the new normal. <laughs> exactly. Well, last time that you were on, Sarah, we were talking about starting solids and you gave us tons of tips on how to raise a healthy eater, you know, using the solids there. But now we're going to talk about kind of your wheelhouse as a picky eating coach about like, what do we do when our kids are starting to show those signs of, of, um, picky eating. And that is something that every parent has challenges with. So I'm really happy mm -hmm. you're here to share your wisdom before we mm -hmm. do that though, like catch people up on, I read your bio about things, but you know, give us a little context about like why one nutrition, uh, and then two as a parent working with kiddos became such a passion of yours. Yeah. So, I mean, to try to keep it brief, I, nutrition was not what I did originally. I actually have a, a background in HR consulting and did that for many years. But like most people who end up in the natural wellness field, I did suffer from some health issues that weren't super serious, but definitely went on for a long time. And it took many years before I finally saw a naturopath about um, some of the things I was dealing with, digestive issues, um, even just mental health from feeling so crummy all the time. And she literally made a few tweaks to my diet and I was feeling better than I had in my entire life. And so that just really kind of revolutionized the way I thought about food. And I really wanted to know more. And so I went back to school just thinking, oh, you know, I'm just going to learn more and be able to apply this to my own life, maybe my, my family's life. And once I got into school and started learning about more about nutrition, I was really hooked and uh, decided to, yeah, kind of make this a, a bit of a career change. And I was pregnant at the time. And so it just kind of was natural that I went into more of the child side of things because I was, you know, learning how to raise my child in a, in a healthy way and a more holistic way. Um, so I started out doing general kids nutrition which was great. But I was finding that, you know, I would have these clients and I would say to the parent, okay, you need to feed your child this, this, and this, like all real foods and lots of fruits and vegetables. And the parent would look at me like I was crazy <laughs> because my child will not eat those foods. How am I supposed to get my child to eat those foods? And so I started, uh, I mean, along the same time, my son was also kind of going through this picky phase that we're going to start talking about. And so it all kind of culminated in me dying diving deep into the research around feeding kids and started to realize that, you know, I had actually been doing it the wrong way and introducing foods in the wrong way in order to get my son to eat a wide variety of real foods. And so, you know, both of those things just really um, got me focusing my practice on feeding kids and more into picky eating and you know, just d diving into healthy habits and how to develop those in children. And so that's kind of where I am now. Very good. Well, and that was what our, our last episode is about. It's episode 76. If you haven't listened to it already, go back in iTunes and find episode 76, um, talking about starting solids and how to 
build really strong habits right from the get go. Uh But today, like even if you're doing really well with starting solids, like kids get picky, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that episode is great to give you a foundation, but I have so many clients who say to me, okay, so you know, we started solids and my child like loved food. I, they, I gave them all sorts of different things and they ate everything in sight and it was really fun and it was a great experience. And all of a sudden the child hits the, you know, the 12 month mark or even, you know, it could be a little bit earlier. And all of a sudden that same child is now refusing all of the food, well, not all of the foods, but some of the foods that they previously loved and one by one is starting to get more limited in the foods that they accept. So I hear this all the time from moms um, and from clients. And what I want your listeners to recognize, like you said, this is totally normal. So even for kids who started off eating really well, they are typically most kids are going to go through a phase usually between 12 and 18 months where they are going to start to reject foods, in particular foods that are new. And mm. this is totally normal. And uh, in fact, there's actually a name for it. So researchers, uh, feeding researchers have a term that they, they call neophobia, which basically means fear of trying new things. And this is very normal for the 12 to 18 month age. Hmm. So neophobia would be different than and like a kid being afraid of trying something new is different than that kind of like willful uh, I'm expressing myself and I can say this no <laughs> either maybe mm-hmm. not say it verbally because they're at 12 months but yeah so, so it's different than that kind of developmental stage of um, just wanting to say no to kind of practice that. Yeah, I mean, that definitely plays a role. I see that happening a little bit later, um, maybe more between like the 18 month to two year age, where that's kind of starting to play a bit more of a role when they realize that they have that control. At the 12 month mark, it is actually um, a a stage that is part of child development, Mm -hmm. where um, actually it, it researchers think it goes back to kind of genetics and in the caveman days where a child is actually more likely to survive if they have a bit of a fear of new foods. So Mm. if you think about back in the caveman days, you know, at 12 to 18 months, that's when a child is starting to walk and they could wander off and potentially eat something poisonous or something dangerous. And so it's thought that this neophobia developed as a, as a protective, protective measure for kids not to do that and not to, to poison themselves with some poison berry out in the woods. Well, that makes absolute sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is why it's very normal. It's very normal for kids to, to have this kind of fear of new things. Right. And so if it is such a normal stage, like you want to honor that, right. But like, how do you, <laughs> You still got to eat, right? So (laughs) what do we do? (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. So it is normal. And, you know, by normal, I mean, don't panic if your child does start to become more picky around this age. However, the thing I really want to emphasize to your listeners and and what I emphasize to all of the parents that I deal with is that it is how you deal with this phase that can actually determine and can impact your child's eating habits and relationship with food moving forward. So while it is normal, you don't want to ignore it and you want to make sure that you are kind of navigating it in a way that is you know, going to make sure that your child doesn't continue to fear new foods for the rest of their lives. Because I think that is something that parents probably want to avoid. Mm, Right. Like help them navigate through it rather than like entrenching it somehow by doing some things. 
Well, yeah, because what a lot of parents do is they think, okay, well, my child doesn't want to try new things, so I'm not going to put new things in front of them, and I'm just going to serve them all the things that they like, which for sure is easy and which for sure is going to be a little less stressful for both the parent and the child, but it's not doing um, your child any favors in terms of developing their palate and their relationship with food. Right, right. So you would, one of the things you talk about is like exposure is just mm-hmm. what you said is like keep, keep bringing them up but not forcing it. Is that what you suggest? Yeah, so I've got a few kind of tips that I think parents need to keep in mind when they are going through this neophobia stage. And the first one and the most important one, I would say one of the most powerful strategies is exposure. So instead of simply just giving them the foods uh, that they like and not giving them the foods that they reject once or twice, you want to continue to expose them to all of the foods uh, that you can many, many times. So, you know, I think most people have probably heard the expression that it takes, you know, 15 times for a child to learn to accept a food. And this is very true. In fact, I would even go so far to say, you know, 15, 20, 30 times sometimes before a child is going to accept a food. But the important thing is to continue to expose them to it. They need to continue to see it time and time and time again. And for parents not to give up, even if it gets thrown in their face 20 times. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, parents probably have heard that it, it, takes a lot of exposures, but I know sometimes parents say like when, if I were to say like, yeah, like 15 to 20 times, like you just said, mm-hmm. not that I'm at counseling a lot of people on this, but they're like 15 to 20 times. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a lot. So it is. Totally. So it's something to keep in mind. Like, all right, it is like repetition, repetition, mm-hmm. repetition, get them to feel that it's normal. Exactly. Because like this neophobia, like I said, the definition is fear of new things. So mm-hmm. the more a child sees something, it's not going to be so new anymore, right? So we need to kind of get them used to the food before they may feel comfortable touching it even or smelling it or and then eventually trying it. So once that food becomes normalized to them, they're much more likely to actually eat it. Is seeing is them seeing you eating it too really helpful or is that not as helpful? No, definitely. I mean, that is a key piece of exposure. And I mean, you can again go back to what I was saying about the caveman days. If a child were to see their parent eat that berry, well, okay, well, that tells them that this is okay. This is not poisonous. This is not something that's going to hurt me. So yeah, I mean, that's certainly uh, another way to expose your child to the food is to have them watch you eat it. Right. Cause I remember with, Very with my son, like somebody told me to do that, but then Nico started saying like, okay, you eat it, you eat it. <laughs> like, wait, 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 this is backfiring on me. Come on. I, I don't want to eat all of your period yeah. spinach right now. I want but you to have that's some. him saying, you know, like wanting to make sure it's like the whole, uh, you know, you drink the cup first to make sure it's not, there's no poison in it. Right. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Okay, so that's good. So what other kind of things can we do? So the next thing uh, to keep in mind is variety. So so between the the six to the 12 month stage, I always encourage parents to try to get a lot of variety in, but sometimes that doesn't always happen depending on, you know, how accepting the child is of different foods. Sometimes parents kind of get stuck in the baby food rut of, you know, the typical baby foods. Um, But it's never too late to start exposing your child to variety, uh, especially when they're starting to get picky, I would say. Uh, And this goes back to what I said before about a child 
you know, kind of getting desensitized to a food in a sense where they need to see different foods a variety of times before they're going to get used to them. And so we also want kids to see variety as a normal thing, that it is it is typical that they're going to see different foods at every meal and different foods every single day and a multitude of different fruits and vegetables and not just the same thing um, over and over again. We want to kind of set them up with that expectation that it is normal that we try new things in our house and it is normal that we are going to eat lots of variety. And so you want to try and you know go to the grocery store take a look around at all the fruits and vegetables and choose ones that maybe your child has never seen before so that they are used to seeing those new things and that's going to make them a lot more likely to be okay with new things right Right. well and in a variety sense too like this goes back to what you were talking about like in our previous episode about Mm -hmm. um, palates and and developing palate i mean it's Mm -hmm. something honestly like i never really thought about that i thought it was just like all right let's get some different bio variety of food Mm -hmm. into them but it really is shaping is it shaping taste buds is that too simplified or is it just like more of a pattern or is it both Yeah, I'm not sure from an actual biological perspective, but I know what the research says. I mean, the research does show that children who are exposed to tastes and flavors early on are more likely to accept them down the road. Mm -hmm. So whatever's happening, happening biologically, I'm not quite sure, but, yeah. uh, yeah, I mean, it's, even if a child, you know, doesn't eat that food for a little bit, like during this neophobia period, the research really clearly, sh- clearly shows that if you have exposed them to it early on multiple times, um, lots of exposure, lots of variety. Once they are able to kind of navigate through this neophobia period, they are much more likely to then eat those foods down the road. Okay. So you, you may, parents might feel like, oh my gosh, this is a waste of time. Like, why am I doing this? They're not eating this food. Maybe it's a year before they actually eat it. But the, but I've seen it time and time again that, you know, parents who are really consistent about the exposure and the variety, once the child gets through this picky phase, that can, can often just be a phase, they are going to come out of it, you know, with that broaden palette like you said right well and i think that's a good thing for every listener to hear is like it is a phase and a normal mm-hmm. phase and which a phase means it's going to end at some point rather than right it's going to end as long as you know you are able to kind of navigate through it in a healthy way sure sure instead yeah. of there is a light at the end of the tunnel if you're doing these things consistently it's going to pay <laughs> off right yeah, we all want to yeah. know that as parents rather than it being okay like this kid's never going to eat anything but cheese again or mm-hmm. whatever they're food is that's the go-to what about that like I mean there's there's got to be lots of parents that come to you like all right so I've tried this it becomes so stressful trying to do all this kind of things I get frustrated and then I have my fallbacks is it Uh what what do you recommend there like I mean you got to have fallbacks to some extent right yeah definitely and it's okay I mean you never want to uh like not serve a child's favorite foods because then they feel restricted and they feel you know possibly anxious about meal times in general but it just means that you're also rot- rotating in new things all the time and thinking outside the box when it comes to what foods are acceptable for kids so it actually it's one of my biggest pet peeves that you know we live in a culture where there's certain foods that are deemed kids foods and other foods that are not considered kids foods where I believe actually food is food is food and it, it, it shouldn't be classified like that. So 
if you can early on think outside that box and serve kids things that are really strong in flavor or maybe aren't typically kids food, things like, you know, my kids love olives. They eat them all the time. Things like, you know, sauerkraut or really unique vegetables like Brussels sprouts or, you know, parsnips or things that maybe aren't typically served to kids. You are setting them up to be much more likely to like those foods down the road. Yeah, I can say that I was definitely an in-the-box thinker <laughs> when it came to yeah. like exposing uh, foods to Nico. And I was, as Effie was, who is not, she was doing lots of like interesting different foods. And I would always be like yeah. wide-eyed, like, really? He ate that? Okay, great. You know, because I yeah. wanted that. But, <laughs> you know, that was definitely not in. And I think you're ingrained in that with like, you know, there's the kid's menu at, if you go out mm-hmm. to eat versus the regular yeah. menu, those kind of things. It's true. Like we're painting these kids into a box really Mm -hmm. by just assuming what they will and will not like, which where I think that we need to instead give kids the opportunity to surprise us. And, you know, um, yeah, like, like you said, you'd be surprised at what some kids will accept because they don't know any different, right? It's, it's, they don't know what's a kid's food and what's a not kid's food. They just know what they like. And the more you can expose them to things like that, the more likely they are to grow up thinking that's normal and to grow up eating those things. Right. And speaking of surprises, you have good advice on being sneaky about foods. I definitely, (laughs) definitely share this. Yeah. So another, um, thing that can be easy, a trap that parents can fall into when their child is going through this neophobia stage where they're starting to get picky is to start sneaking greens and other veggies into food because they're really worried about their child nutritionally. So it all comes from a good place. You know, they, uh, parents want their children to be eating all the vitamins and nutrients that veggies have to offer. But Trust me, this whole sneaky thing only works for a short period of time. Yeah. Um, when children are 12 to 18 months, they're a little bit naive, right? They don't actually know what they're eating. They're not um, too aware of what's happening. But I can tell you from experience, every single child that I work with, uh, by the time they come to me, you know, they're pretty entrenched in the picky um, the picky eating. And, uh, I would say most of the parents have said to me, I used to sneak things into my kids food and now, um, they won't eat that food anymore because they figured it out and kids will figure it out. And then you can totally ruin foods for them because they start to associate that food with, with, you know, being sneaky and with a food that maybe they didn't want to be eating, but you're actually tricking them into eating. So it's a slippery slope and I definitely discourage it. The other, the other thing with kind of being sneaky, um, you know, I'm all about, like I talked about earlier, I'm all about developing a positive and healthy relationship with food, because Mm -hmm. if you are able to foster that, you know, positivity and, you know, um, uh, yeah, the the healthy relationship with food, then a child is going to naturally want to eat those healthy foods down the road, and you're not going to have to worry about their nutrition. But if a child thinks that you are being super sneaky, and they catch you um, sneaking things into their food, and they they have that lack of trust, it really impacts the feeding relationship with your child moving forward. So when you tell them something tastes good, they're not going to believe you anymore. Mm, right. <laughs> going to be super suspicious of of you trying to feed them anything so again not something i i typically recommend doing right well and i think the trust thing is huge like it's not just the 
primary, like the nutrition getting into their mouths and into their bodies is that like relationship with you also and food too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's a short term gain, but long term you have to look at (laughs) what you're doing there. Right. And as a parent, I I mean, we all know those times where like, all right, it's just easy to get through the day by just doing this. But then, you know, at the end of the day, like, oh man, now I got to start again tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not that it's not okay to add spinach to a child's smoothie. I mean, we, we definitely do that in our household, but it's all about being transparent. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually can have a really big benefit. So if you can start to, um, show a child that certain foods taste good. So, you know, with my kids, they loved smoothies. And when we started adding spinach to the smoothies, I, made sure they were fully aware of it. And now they, you know, they have that positive association with spinach because they're like, oh, well, smoothies taste good. And my smoothie with a spinach with spinach in it tastes good. So spinach must be good. And they'll actually, as we're putting the spinach in the smoothie, like they'll take bites of the spinach because they just have that positive relationship with that food. Right. They're not being coerced in anything. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Nobody wants to be coerced in anything. No, no. no. And that goes back to the control thing that you, you said too, right? So you know, if a child thinks that you're forcing them to eat something by sneaking it into a food, it, like once they get to a certain age, they're going to push back on you in a big way. <laughs> right, right. Or set up, I mean, I can think back to of like, all right, this is, I don't know how to word it, like the rewards of like, all right, these are the foods you like, but you got to eat some of this too to get to mm-hmm. the other stuff. And that sends, sets up... Uh, like a power, I don't know if power struggle is the right word, but it, it's, it becomes this thing of like, all right, these are the have tos and these are the get tos. And then mm-hmm. it sets up a, like a polarity in food. Yeah. And that actually brings me to my kind of final uh, tip where you're right. Power struggle plays a role, but it also is, you have to think about what you're saying about a food and what message that is sending a child. So when you're telling a child that they need to eat their broccoli before they can have their ice cream, the message that you're sending to them is that broccoli needs to be tolerated and ice right. cream. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Is yeah. something, Good. yeah, is something Thank that you. you should be coveting. Um, and that really is a form of pressure. So, you know, my, my tip for parents, if you really want to get through this picky stage in a, in a healthy way is to avoid any sort of pressure on the child in terms of, of what they should be eating. Um, because a lot of parents do think that they, they can convince their child to eat healthy foods. <laughs> so yeah. their child is starting to refuse things and it's like, oh, well, you know what? But beets, they taste like candy and spinach is going to give you superpowers. And, um, or else, you know, they go the opposite route and yeah, start getting into the forcing them to eat certain foods, um, or refusing to let them eat, leave the table until their vegetables are gone or bribing them like you just talked about. Um, and again, this is a tactic that for sure that will work in the short term, like bribing a child with ice cream to eat their vegetables at, you know, between 12 and 18 months, that is going to work. Um, but in the long run, uh, like I said, it's, it's really sending the wrong message. And there is a lot of research around how long term this will actually make them eat less of those foods. So if, if your goal is to get them to eat more broccoli, bribing them into doing it, pressuring them into doing it in the long run, it's going to make them really not like broccoli mm, <laughs> and right. not want to eat it. It's going to be something that they're always going to have a bad association with. And it seems like it would put even a more emphasis on the ice cream or the reward one of like, wow, this is like, this is really where I need to get to. So it puts more of a charge on treats. Right, right. Pedestal. Very good. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the key, you know, if you know, just to give parents, I want to be really actionable here, but the key for them is to, um, when you're watching your child eat, you just want to be cool as a cucumber. So when you're going through this stage where they're, you know, often throwing food at you or on the floor or whatever, <laughs> instead of getting stressed out, which I know like you, you are feeling stressed, but you don't want to let your child see that because that is a form of pressure. If they, if they, if they know that you are kind of stressed out about them not eating something, that's telling them like, oh, you want me to eat this. That's a lot of pressure. So you want to just be really cool. Um, watch your body language, watch what you're saying. And, uh, yeah, just try to, try to cruise through that stage, um, and not talk about the food, just really kind of focus on the eating experience and making the table a fun place to be and all that good stuff so that they are, you know, working on that healthy relationship with food and eating. So not talking about the food, meaning like that it's putting pressure on the meal time for bites of this and that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So when I say avoid pressure, pressure can come in all sorts of forms and yeah, like just talking about food and staring at them. Like, I mean, it's, it's funny. I, um, I often with my clients, I'll get them to send me a video of like what's happening at mealtimes. And when I actually get them to watch it back and, and say to them, look, like what, like what is happening? The entire meal is focused on the child and what they are eating and what they're not eating and you know, how many bites they're taking and, and, and all of that. And like, that is a lot of pressure for a kid. Imagine, imagine you were sitting at a table and everybody was staring at you and <laughs> analyzing like how many bites you were taking, right? That is pressure, even though you may not overtly be saying take three bites. Um, just, you know, the fact that you're talking about the food or asking them if they like it or all of that good stuff that you think is, you know, encouraging them to eat more, it's actually causing them to eat less. <laughs> well, that makes sense. I hadn't thought about yeah. it in that way of just yeah. like kind of the magnifying glass going on the, the meal experience. For sure. And again, it's all, you know, comes from a place of wanting them to eat because you want them to be healthy. But um, yeah, I think that parents just need to take a little bit of a step back and take a deep breath (laughs) and know that, like we said before, this phase is just a phase. And if you can just stay calm, cool and collected during that phase, it's going to really help your child come out of it in a healthier way. Great. Well, that's a great take home. Well, Sarah, where, where can they find out more about like the work you're doing and um, get more help if, if this is a challenge for them? Yeah. So if parents, I mean, you know, if they're really early on in this stage, I would say, you know, just ride it out. But if parents are coming kind of closer to the 18 month mark and, you know, they feel like their child is just getting pickier and pickier, I do have, you know, some more specific strategies that they can try that can really help them uh, or help their child to be more accepting of new foods, try new foods. And uh, so I've put it all together in a free challenge, which uh, parents can sign up for. It's, it's called the five day dramaless mealtime challenge. And it really is geared towards helping parents who are feeling stress at the dinner table because of this picky eating and who are looking for some, yeah, really actionable strategies. So it's over five days, it's five videos, you get one each day. And each day has a, a strategy that you can apply right away that will help you see changes at the table by the end of the of the five days and is the is the time frame or not time frame the aging of the kiddos specific in this is this general as far as the mealtime challenge 
Um, I would say it's, yeah, it's for anybody who is just finding the table stressful at all. So yeah, okay. I mean, not definitely, right. I would say so it's anywhere not a between, 12 to 18 month old program. It's no, absolutely kiddos. not anywhere okay. from, I would say anywhere from like, yeah, 18 months up until, you know, seven years of age, you're going to find, um, that your child's attitude towards mealtimes will change after the five days by just just implementing these five simple strategies. Great. Well, Sarah, thanks again for being here. This was really informative. I learned a lot. And um, I love that you have this five-day challenge available for our listeners. Um, I would love for you to come back another time, like once like family time settles down for you to be able to pick your brain a little bit more. Absolutely. I would love to. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there who are dealing with really picky kids. So, you know, there's lots we can talk about there. Yeah. And from the last episode, I got a lot of feedback around like other questions, which kind of spurred this of like, all right, so I know I should have started this way, but now what do I do once I have a picky eater? And then I'm sure from this mm-hmm. episode, we'll get a lot more feedback too. And uh, if you're willing, I'd love to bring you back on to help answer those questions. That, that would be great. All right. Well, thank you, Sarah. I appreciate it. No problem. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us today. For more information about this episode and other natural childbirth and parenting topics, please visit us at capwellnesscenter.com or message us on our Facebook page with any questions you might have. We here at the Cap Wellness Center look forward to helping you and your family be as happy and healthy as you can be.